I am not concerned at all about the Packers quarterback situation. But at the same time, I'm very concerned about the Packers quarterback situation. What does that mean? I'll explain. Blue 58! Welcome to Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. I am so excited that you have decided to tune in for another episode. So let's get right down to it. Here are the headlines. Offensive line heavy headline group this week. Uh, Starting with Corey Lindsley, the Packers' now former starting center, has a torn hamstring, telling Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette he's actually suffered two very serious hamstring injuries. The first was in May. Uh, Lindsley doing some training, hurt his hamstring, and had a setback in July, during which he actually tore his hamstring. No exact timeline on when he's going to be back. J.C. Treader has now been named the starting center, In an interesting turn of events, considering how their two uh, careers sort of began um, here in Green Bay. Uh, But Treader, the starter, Lindsley, it's going to be a while before he is back on the field uh, for the Packers. Setback there, but it looks like the Packers are good to go with Treader stepping in for Lindsley. More O-line news. Matt Rotherham is a goner in Green Bay. The guard has been cut by the Packers this week. As of August 22nd, he is now a former member of the Green Bay Packers. Packers announcing his release at the same time as they announced the release of long snapper Jesse Schmidt, announced Monday by Ted Thompson that neither one will be returning to the team. Rotherham had had a biceps injury, uh, and Schmidt broke his hand during the first play of his first practice with the Packers. We'll kind of take these guys one at a time so we don't end up running over each other as we talk about them. But uh, Rotherham really surprised me. I thought he was going to make a bigger push for the roster this year. Obviously, the injury plays a big part in his departure from the team, but he really didn't seem to be making any progress uh, towards the top end of the roster uh, as time went on. Big guy, big body, very talented lineman. One of the guys the Packers, one of the sort of guys that the Packers gave a little bit of extra cash to to stick around uh, while he was on the practice squad. Uh, But now a former member of the Packers, uh, Jesse Schmidt, uh, like we said, breaking his hand uh, in the first play of his first practice with the Packers, brought in ostensibly to give a little pressure to Rick Lovato. Uh, Can't really do that if your hand is broken, and there's no way around it. Uh, This is a bad break for Jesse Schmidt. Uh, You'd like to see guys get a little bit more of a fair shake than that, but that's the way things go sometimes. Another uh, injury-related release coming on the offensive line as well. Uh, Tackle Josh James, 6'5", 314-pound undrafted free agent out of Carroll University out in Montana, I believe. Signed with the Packers May 6th. Uh, Thought to be one of those guys who may be able to make the leap from a smaller school to the NFL. Uh, It just doesn't seem to have worked out for Josh James. Into the guys who actually seem to maybe have a shot at making the roster, Carl Bradford. Now there's an odd sentence, talking about Carl Bradford with actually having a chance to make the roster. Uh, He's doing his best. Um, According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, he is making a bit of a push at the roster. Uh, This came out uh, August 21st from Michael Cohen, uh, the piece starts out in the 27 months since the Green Bay Packers drafted him with the fourth with a fourth-round pick. Former Arizona State standout Carl Bradford has been many things. An outside linebacker asked to rush the passer, a member of the 53-man roster, a healthy scratch his entire rookie year, 
a convert to inside linebacker, a practice squad project, a free agent, a signee of a futures contract to stick with the Packers one more year. That one more year is this year, and Bradford seems to be making a push uh, to stick around on the roster. Obviously, it helps a little bit that Jake Ryan hasn't really been around. He's had a hurt hamstring himself, hasn't been able to practice, hasn't been able to go. So somebody's got to fill up those reps, and it looks like it's been Carl Bradford. Been filling in on some of the first team uh, special teams units. That never hurts if you're trying to make a roster spot. And maybe the maybe things are just finally slowing down for him. He mentions that in this piece, and you've heard him say it a couple times through the offseason. Feels like he can finally play instinctively. And if you're a linebacker, you don't have time to sit around and think about things as they're coming towards you. So you got to react instinctively. And if you can't do that, you're not going to end up on the field. Bradford when he plays with the full motor that we know that he has, is a capable enough athlete, I think, to fill in as a linebacker. He's a little bit on the small side overall, but if he plays with the intensity that he played with at Arizona State, he can be that kind of guy. I have a lot of thoughts about Carl Bradford, probably more than I need to share in just a headline segment, but I think he's a really interesting guy. It's interesting if you look at the arc of his career, how sort of the the ups and downs have played out in accordance with the role of his dad in his life. His dad has since passed away, uh, and I think, if I had to guess, uh, that, that has to have something to do with the way that Bradford, the person, has acted over the past couple of years. He hasn't made any bad off the field choices as far as I know, but also he hasn't he hasn't been the same guy. You've heard coaches say it. he hasn't been the same guy that he was at Arizona State. You wonder if that has to have played a role in in some way in the way that his time in Green Bay has gone. I think there's a lot more to Carl Bradford than the guy that you see on the field, and maybe he's finally getting things sorted out in his off the field life, and that's leading to some on field success. Or he could just be figuring it out. Who knows? At any rate, Carl Bradford is playing better football than we've seen him play in a long time. An undrafted free agent also making a little bit of a, of a splash in Green Bay. guy by the name of Josh Hawkins. Uh, said to be a good comparison um, to Sam Shields. This from Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He makes the case that their measurables are basically the same. Shields uh, measured in at 5'10 and 3 quarters at 184 pounds coming out of Miami. Hawkins 510 and a half, 189, about the same arm length. Uh, they run real fast, both of them. Shields about 4-3 in the 40, Hawkins at 4-3-9, their 20-yard shuttle, their 10-yard shuttle times, uh, almost the same. And Hawkins playing with the same sort of swagger that you saw from Sh- Sam Shields early in his career. Will that translate into a roster spot? That's where things get a little bit dicey. If he played safety, it would be a heck of a lot easier for him to make the roster and still would be very difficult. I think you can make a case right now that there are seven roster spots completely locked down in the secondary. You've got uh, Sam Shields, for sure, a 100% stone-cold lock to make the roster. Demarius Randall, uh, uh, Quentin Rollins uh, in the cornerback sort of category. And then at safety, HaHa Clinton Dix, obviously, Morgan Burnett, obviously, and Chris Banjo, uh, for sure, are going to be there. Micah Hyde, If you want to count him as a safety, he's going to be there too. So four safeties, three cornerbacks, or four cornerbacks, three safeties, depending how you want to uh, count Mike Hyde, already basically accounted for. If Hawkins is going to get on this roster, he's got a lot of people to beat out because the Packers have a lot of pretty solid 
members in the secondary. You can't count out guys like Dimitri, Gore, or Dimitri Goodson and uh, Ladarius Gunter to, to make the roster on the back end of that cornerback depth chart. So if he wants to get onto the roster, he can jump over those, or he's going to have to jump over those guys. Fortunately for him, Dimitri Goodson is going to be out for the first four games of the season. So if the Packers want to get an extended look at somebody, uh, cornerback is going to have a vacancy, and maybe Hawkins is the guy who jumps jumps into that uh, uh, that uh, that spot on the roster. A uh, couple things that I'd like to point uh, point out to you as being worth a read uh, this week. The first one from Eric Baranzik and Pete Doherty of they're calling it the USA Today Network. Um, formerly known as Green Bay Press Gazette. Uh, Baranzik and Doherty do an in-depth breakdown on the uh, the secondary and how it's, the Packers have sort of stitched it together over the past four years and how these guys are playing. Uh, the Packers have done a, a really amazing job at investing in their secondary, and it's it's been incredible to see how it's come together and should be one of the best secondaries we've seen in a long time. Um a while ago on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel podcast, Michael Cohen and Bob McGinn talked about the best secondaries, just briefly, the best secondaries uh, that uh, McGinn has seen in his time with the Packers. Uh, and he mentioned uh, Leroy Butler and Eugene Robinson. He mentioned uh, mentioned Nick Collins and, and Morgan Burnett early in their run together. And he thinks this, this secondary group could be, could be even better. Um, than the guys at least as good, maybe even better than the guys that he mentioned previously as being some of the best ever. And when you're talking about a borderline Hall of Fame type talent in Leroy Butler, that's some pretty high praise. So I would find that article and check it out. We'll link to it in the podcast description here and uh, and in the accompanying blog post. Also, want you to uh, check out this piece by Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Uh, headline, Jared Cook, an artist with untapped potential. Uh, starts out detailing a play that happened several years ago uh, with the the guy who Cook or who uh, who Wood calls the best quarterback that Jared Cook ever played with, and that would be Matt Hasselbeck. This would be during their time together in uh, in Tennessee. So late in the game um, in 2012, uh, Cook lines up in a in a sort of split position notices that he has a linebacker over him and decides on his own to instead of run the slant running the slant that was called decide he's just going to take this guy and go straight down the field goes down the field wide open Hasselbeck sees him and just airmails the pass and he says even a few years later now he feels bad he feels bad that he missed Jared Cook on what could have been a game-winning touchdown uh, Wood makes the case and pretty compellingly that Cook is the sort of guy who can make those plays he's gotten the knock over the years as being sort of inconsistent but if you look at the long list of quarterbacks that he's played with, there just haven't been any good. There have been no good quarterbacks. Matt Hasselbeck was the best guy that he's played with. And the version of Matt Hasselbeck that he played with was most of the way out the door in his NFL career. And I think even Matt Hasselbeck would say that. He, he, it was just It was his last stop where he could actually be a functional starting quarterback in the NFL. The last couple of years he played with the Colts, he was just there as some sort of fire insurance should um should Andrew Luck go down there they knew that if Andrew Luck went down Matt Hasselbeck wasn't going to be the guy to lead them to the promised land uh when he was in Tennessee they actually thought that he could be some semblance of a, a high level starting quarterback or at least something along those lines 
that is the best quarterback that Jared Cook has ever played with, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do when he starts getting some long-term exposure to Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see what Jared Cook actually turns into, but that piece definitely worth a read, and we will link to that uh, in the blog post that accompanies this article. All right, we're going to change gears here and go down a little bit of a different trail towards our main topic this week, and that is quarterbacks. But before we do, I want to take a couple minutes and remind you that we are always looking for listener and reader input. We've started to get some more good comments on the blog, uh, and we are very thankful for that. And never forget that you can leave us a comment on on the blog, uh, on Facebook, or on Twitter if you'd like to do that. But you can also get in contact through get in contact with us through any one of those means as well. Uh, never be afraid to reach out uh, to us on Facebook at the Power Sweep, on Twitter at the Power Sweep as well, or through Gmail at not the at sign at the power sweep 1959 at gmail.com. So that's the power sweep 1959 at gmail.com and on Facebook and on Twitter. We would love to hear from our readers, our listeners, anybody who would like to interact with the power sweep. So don't be afraid. Drop us a line. Blue 58! So at the start of the show, I made sort of a contradictory statement. I said that I was both not concerned at all about the Packers quarterback situation. And also, I was very concerned about the Packers quarterback situation. So let's unpack that a little bit. So the other day, uh, after the Packers' second preseason game, I almost corrected myself and said third preseason game. It would have been their third preseason game, but actually turned out just being their second. After that Raiders preseason game, in which Brett Hundley had re-injured, I think for the second time now, his sprained ankle, Bob McGinn tweeted something about uh, Brett Hundley having a disastrous preseason. And I just don't think that's the case. Um, and I'll tell you why. Hopefully I will, because otherwise we wouldn't have much of a podcast here. I don't think Brett Hundley's preseason has been a disaster. I think what has happened this preseason has been very unfortunate for Brett Hundley, but for the Packers, it's been just fine. Uh as far as what we've actually seen from Brett Hundley, there's been absolutely nothing to complain about. When he's been on the field, be it in practice or in a game, he's been perfect, spot on, just about the best version of Brett Hundley that we could hope for him to be. As far as the Packers are concerned, I think they've seen all they need to see from Brett Hundley. They see that he's coming along. They see that he is capable of running the offense. I mean, that first series, that first uh, first drive in the Oakland game, Josh, what else, what else do you want um, from Brett Hundley? He may have kind of forced one throw in there, and he had uh, Aaron Ripkowski drop another pass. But, I mean, other than that, it was just about the best, best drive you could ever hope for out of a backup quarterback in a preseason game that ultimately doesn't mean anything. I suppose I'll add that caveat. But, I mean, what else do you need to see from Brett Hundley? Clearly he can do it. Clearly he can put the ball on the money. Clearly he can run the offense, he's, and he's enough of a passer that things are opened up for Eddie Lacy. What else do you need to see? As far as what we've actually seen from Brett Hundley on the field, it's been an unmitigated success as far as the Packers are concerned. He's looked great. They look justified in every possible way, for trading up for him and drafting him two years ago now. That's great. 
As far as Hundley, I'm sure he would like to play a lot more. Uh, as we've talked about, I think, on the podcast previously and for sure on the site, hopefully we won't see Brett Hundley again uh, after the next two weeks. Uh, hopefully this is the last we see from Brett Hundley unless the Packers are way up at the end of some game and he wants to come in and play a little mop-up duty. I sure hope we don't ever see him dur- taking meaningful snaps during a game this season because that means that things have gone real bad for the Packers in some other area. Uh, but as far as what he's actually done on the field, I don't think you could feel any better about the Packers' backup quarterback situation. Now, that's the positive side. And from there, things get a little bit dark. This is the part where I say I'm really concerned about the Packers' quarterback situation. As good as Hundley has been in the past two preseasons, there's still only exhibition games. And I know it's it's easy to be skeptical um, because the, obviously preseason games don't matter. They don't stand for anything. It's, e- it's, it's easy to say, well, of course he does great because these games don't mean anything. I don't, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's no actual pressure. Um, it's not like the guys on the other side aren't trying. It's that the, the things that are being thrown out there ultimately don't matter. They might be completely different from what teams are running in the actual regular season. The Packers, I know for a fact, run very different defenses um, when they're in in the actual regular season games than they do in preseason. And I know for a fact that every other team in the NFL does that as well. There's no reason when you're just guys uh, to run your most complicated schemes. That blitz you're saving for third and three when you think it's it's a sneaky passing situation and the, they're going to try to sneak something by you and you bring your, your extra special exotic blitz and blow it up. That does not come out in the preseason. And therefore, in the limited action that he's gotten, Brett Hundley hasn't seen those defenses. So even though he has been successful, uh, he hasn't done much against defenses that really are giving them everything he's got. Now, I, I still do have confidence that he could overcome those kind of defenses, but he just hasn't had an opportunity to face them, and he won't unless things go really belly up during the regular season. What I'm more concerned about, though, is what happens if Brett Hundley, just for the sake of argument, would go down for an extended period of time? What do you do after Brett or after uh, after Aaron Rodgers? Honestly, what do you do? The list of free agents out there is thin. It is thin. The best quarterback, and it's probably a toss-up, is either Matt Flynn or Michael Vick. Matt Flynn is 31 and can't get a job in the NFL anymore since he left the Packers the last time. And Michael Vick is 36 years old, and he wasn't a good passer when he was a good player. Do you think a guy like Michael Vick could come in and actually do anything for the Packers? I don't think so. I mean, the Packers' offense depends on a quarterback who can throw the ball reliably, accurately. I mean, look at how the off- how bad the offense was last year when Aaron Rodgers was in whatever you call he was in last year. I know a lot of it was precipitated by the wide receivers, but he, he also didn't play well for stretches. I mean, if you got to rely on somebody behind Brett Hundley, who's it going to be? Joe Callahan has been fine. There was a stretch during the third quarter of the Oakland game where he looked 
looked passable. But at that point, what kind of defense is he even playing against? I figured out an analogy this week of who Joe Callahan reminds me of. Uh, think back with me to the to the year 2012. This was the year Cedric Benson ultimately ended up in camp with the Packers. Before Cedric Benson was up and running for Green Bay, I, I may be the wrong in the year, but I think it was 2012. Um, before Cedric Benson was up and running, the Packers gave... I think it ended up being something like 96 preseason carries to a guy by the name of Mark Tyler. Mark Tyler never played a down in the NFL because teams saw everything they absolutely needed to know about Mark Tyler in the preseason. And this this was not Mark Tyler's fault. I, I remember feeling really bad for him because he's the kind of guy who you see right away that he just isn't going to make it on an NFL field. He was a fine college running back, played at USC. But man, he was just not fast enough to play running back in the NFL. And I think he ended up averaging something like 2.8 or 2.6 yards per carry for the entire preseason. But the Packers just ended up, ended up running him 15 times a game because they had literally no one else. Dewan Harris had torn up his knee that preseason. Alex Green was still coming back from a torn up knee. Cedric Benson wasn't in camp yet. So what do you have? You have Mark Tyler just out there soaking up carries because somebody's got to be the running back in your preseason game because if you just go out there with five wide receivers, you're going to get some backup quarterback killed. Probably would have been B.J. Coleman if I'm remembering right about that time. Joe Callahan reminds me of Mark Tyler. I think he's a fine player for what he is. And what he is is a six foot one, 190-something pound Division three quarterback. He kind of looks like what Graham Harrell was supposed to be. Not a guy with a big, strong arm. He'll run around back there and make some stuff happen sometimes, but ultimately kind of just a little guy with a not super strong arm doing what he can out there. And what Joe Callahan can do has been pretty okay. It's not the sort of thing that's going to play on Sundays, unfortunately. He's just too little. Uh, just doesn't have the arm, and I, I just don't think he could make it happen for a, a, an extended period of time. Marquise Williams, much the same way, though I do think he has a little bit more to work with uh, from a physical skill set than Joe Callahan does. Much bigger guy, can obviously run like the Dickens if you look at his college stats. He's not going to win you any, any games long term. So what if Brett Hundley can't go? What if we get to week one and Brett Hundley can't be your backup quarterback? What do you do? You got to bring in Matt Flynn, right? And do we really want to get on that merry-go-round again? I don't. I don't want to see Michael Vick in Green Bay. Michael Vick from 2004 would have been really exciting to have in Green Bay. Michael Vick from 2016 is a guy who's been in prison and really can't throw much better than he could 12 years ago and isn't quite as fast as he used to be either. If those are your options, I mean, what else is there out there? I think Jimmy Clausen is a free agent. Oh boy, that's pretty exciting. So I know this is just kind of a for the sake of argument, discussion, whatever. But I think it still bears thinking about. And I know Ted Thompson has to have thought of this. What if Brett Hundley can't go? But what if? What if he can't? 
It's got to be Matt Flynn, right? I sure hope they have his phone number still. That'd be embarrassing. Can't get a hold of Matt Flynn the week you actually finally need him. For real, this time. In 2016. Boy, I'm kind of getting tired of Matt Flynn being the, the savior who has to ride to the rescue. Let's hope it just never comes to that. Send up an extra pair for Aaron Rodgers tonight, I guess, and hope that Brett Hundley's ankle gets back to 100% by week one. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, we should probably touch on his preseason performance here a little bit. Uh, obviously, he hasn't played yet, and that's fine. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is, uh, is in need of any sort of preseason tune-up work. Uh, if he needs to get on the same page as Jordy Nelson at all, it's going to happen in practice. Hopefully, we get one series from Aaron Rodgers and he's done this week. I mean, what else do you really need? Any more than, than that and you're just praying that he doesn't get hurt. Get out there, do one series, complete a couple passes and get out. I don't want to see a, a half of Aaron Rodgers I think that third preseason game as a dress rehearsal kind of thing is is a myth and kind of past anyway. Let's get Aaron Rodgers in. Let him shake off a little bit of rust. Let him complete a couple passes to Ty Montgomery and Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams, and let's call it a night. Huh? I, I don't think there's any, any reason to have him out there more than that. That's just me. We'll see what the Packers end up doing. Um, also, wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't end up playing at all, but I kind of think he will. Wouldn't surprise me if he didn't, but... If he does play, I don't want it to be a uh, don't want it to be a whole bunch. That's going to just about be it for this week's episode of Blue Fifty Eight. Be sure to check out what we've going on or what we've got going on up at thepowersweep.com. Got some stuff coming out later this week. I know it's been a little bit slow recently, but we're kind of adopting the policy that if there's nothing to say, we're not going to try to make up stuff. So hopefully you've enjoyed the ride here at the Power Sweep over the past couple weeks, and we're looking forward to uh, more stuff developing here uh, as the preseason schedule goes on. Don't forget to check in with us on Facebook and on Twitter. You can also reach us uh, at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. Never hesitate to drop us any questions, any comments you might have. Comment on the blog. Give us your thoughts. We'd love to hear them. It's been great to interact with the people we've been able to talk with so far online. And hopefully you've you've enjoyed the content we've been putting out, uh, including this podcast. For Gary Zillavi, I'm John Meerdink. This has been Blue 58. We'll see you on the website. (laughs) 